Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala wa ba'du assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh All praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Traces peace, blessings and salutations upon our master and exemplar Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Alhamdulillah Once again it is our honor and privilege to host Qari Maulana Salim Gaibi The author of Futi Hadith by the Ahlul Bayt And many other works as well Alhamdulillah as uh, as we've done previously, we're going to commence the session with the recitation of the Qur'an. فَلَا تَفَضَّلْ مَشْكُورًا أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةٌ فأصلحوا بين أخويكم واتقوا الله واتقوا الله لعلكم ترحمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا يسخر قوم من قوم عسى يكونوا خيرا منهم ولا نساء من نساء عسى يكون خيرا منهن ولا تلمزوا أنفسكم ولا تنابزوا بالألقاب بئس الاسم الفسوق بعد الإيمان ومن لم يتب فأولئك هم الظالمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اجتنبوا كثيرا من الظن إن بعض الظن إثم ولا تجسسوا ولا يغتب بعضكم بعضا أَيُحِبُّ أَحَدُكُمُ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ لَحْمَ أَخِيهِ مَيْتًا فَكَرِهْتُمُوهُ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَوَّابٌ رَحِيمٌ يا أيها الناس إنا خلقناكم من ذكر وأنثى وجعلناكم شعوبا وقبائل لتعارفوا إن أكرمكم عند الله أتقاكم إن الله عليم خبير 
Sadaqallahu'l-Azim Taqabbalallahu minna wa minkum Ahsantum And Manana, uh, usually I didn't ask this previously But uh, could one perhaps just shed some light on the Kira'a, the recitation, the riwayah and so forth Bismillah <laughs> Bismillah Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil mursaleen Sayyidina wa habibina Wa sanadina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in So I read today for Bazzi Who is one of the transmitters Of the kira'a of Ibn Kathir Al-Makki And uh, What is unique sometimes when Allah would mention this, that uh, Imam Ash-Shafi'i, rahimahullah, he was a student of Abdullah ibn Kustantin, mm. who was a student of Ibn Kathir mm. al-Makki. So Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah, he read the kira'a of Ibn Kathir. That's why you will find some of his opinions also is based on the kira'a of Ibn Kathir. Mm. Like uh, Ibn Kathir would read, uh, instead of Qur'an, he says Qur'an. Mm. Yeah, so Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah, he says that that is the asal of the word uh, Qur'an is from Qaf, Rara, Noon. You know, because Ibn Kathir read it like that, Qur'an. Ajib. Ajib. And uh, you will find many scholars, uh, one of their names I'll mention lately, uh, later. Uh, if they were Shafi'i, Scholars, they would particularly make an effort to learn the kira'a of Ibn Kathir because mm, Imam sure. Shafi'i rahimahullah read it. So, and so can I is, ask a question? Wait, one, one last thing. Bismillah, bismillah. Um, when it comes to the transmission of kira'at, right, we usually stick to those uh, transmissions which have been rigorously authenticated. We refer to that generally as mutawatir. Mm. But there are books of Kira'at where you find that uh, the Kira'at of Ibn Kathir, Ibn Kathir al-Makki, it goes through Imam Shafi'i. Oh, so Imam Shafi'i is mentioned in the books of Kira'at as okay. a transmitter for the Kira'at of Ibn Kathir. Yeah, I don't Ajib. think a lot of people know that. No, I certainly didn't. Um, that uh, The question that I actually have is pertaining to uh, the, the verse... Actually, I can't get past this thought. You know, I always, when, when I hear new Muslims say uh, Quran, then it's always like Quran, you know, the mm. Quran, what the Quran. And I was like, no, that's wrong. You can't say. And here I come to discover Subhanallah is actually one of the dialects, Ajib. And um, even though they don't know that, right? <laughs> this is by accident. But then the question that I have is pertaining to the recitation. Uh, is that is that difference found in this particular Kiramal? No, not in this particular one. Okay. Not in this particular one. So you find some of the Kufis, they would read Lamastum. Okay. Uh, uh, Hamza and Kisai and Qalaful Ashir, they would read like that. Okay. Obviously, if you know Arabic, you can tell the differences between the meaning. Yeah. Like Lamasa, you know. Yes, yes. No, I mean, I didn't really want to get into the, the, uh. the depth of it. It's just interesting because of the hukum pertaining to... What breaks you would do, what doesn't break yeah. you would do, and Imam Shafi'i cites, opinion, uh, cites the Kiraat as one of the, you know, the Adilla. But uh, what's interesting then is that not only is he not relying on his own Kiraat, 
but it shows the extent of his knowledge pertaining mm-hmm. to Kira'a that he could, mm-hmm. you know, rely on other Kira'at in, in Istidlal. Anyway, I think that's, a <laughs> that's very much off topic now, subhanAllah. But I hope that uh, the listeners and the viewers appreciate the, the, the length and breadth of uh, the Turath, the Islamic legacy of knowledge. No, 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 I won't uh, interrupt you further. <laughs> okay. We have a hadith to do today. فَلَيْتَفَضَّلْ مَشْكُورًا So, Bismillah. We start with, the, I think we on hadith number 10. Okay, so usually what happens in uh, hadith readings, uh, the teacher he mentions his sanad at the beginning. And whenever we relate a hadith, uh, we say wabihi. Mm. You know, wabihi just means wabi sanad al mazkur or wabi sanad al mutaqaddam. So with the previously mentioned sanad to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Aidatul mu'min that the promise of a believer, yes, is a verbal or an oral promise. Ka'akhzin bil kafi, right? The the tanwin on the zal is not there. Ka'akhzin bil kafi. That's how it should be read. So um, regarding the wording of the hadith, I'll come back to it later, inshallah. So the verbal promise or the oral promise of a believer is like the seizing of the hand. So like uh, we would find that when we make a, an agreement or a promise with someone and to um, solidify that uh, promise or agreement, we usually shake the hand. Mm. So in this hadith, uh, it mentions that uh, even if there is no handshake, but there is an, a verbal agreement or a promise made uh, verbally, then it is equally binding as the uh, shake of a hand. So an oral promise or agreement made by a believer is equally binding as a promise or agreement finalized by the shaking of the hand. And uh, I think you will find in uh, a common thread that uh, in many of the hadith that will follow and that we will do today, inshallah, is... Um, honesty, mm. right? Honesty and integrity. Mm. In the Western and world, they refer to this uh, the shaking of the hand. Uh, you know, when you don't go through the whole procedure of writing it down and you just make a promise <clears throat> over the handshake, they call this a gentleman's agreement. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting that here it's like, you know, just the fact that the believer said so, it's as good as a handshake. It, it's, it's a done deal, so to speak. Mm. And, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, fulfilling um, your promises, I was reading about uh, two, three days ago, uh, an incident that took place with uh, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, radiyallahu mm. anhi, uh, one of the companions of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was known as sahibu sirri nabi, sallallahu alayhi mm. wa sallam. The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, entrusted him with the names of all the hypocrites, mm. you know, um, so uh, the Prophet وسلم, was in Medina and um, uh, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman and his family was uh, leaving Makkah trying to escape the Quraysh and go to Medina to the Prophet But uh, as he's leaving, he's captured by the Quraysh. And then... Uh, the Quraysh eventually releases him and his family, but uh, they make them promise that if they allow them to go to Medina, to the Prophet ﷺ, that they must make a promise 
they won't fight with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam against them. Mm. And then Hudayfa uh, ibn Yaman radiyallahu an and his family they go to Medina, and not long after that is the Battle of Badr, mm. and uh, he wants to take part, and he tells he informs the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam about this promise that he made to the Quraysh. Mm. You know, and mm. the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and you must remember the Battle of Badr. This is the first battle, right? The decisive battle uh, between the Muslims and the Quraysh. And uh, we only three hundred some odd, like we three to one. Mm. Every man is needed on the battlefield, no. but the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam tells him that no, you keep your promise. You can't take part in the battle. Mm. You know, even Indeed. if it's against uh, your benefit or what you need, you still because you made a promise, you mm. keep that promise. And uh, in another hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, you know, not keeping a promise is actually a sign of uh, hypocrisy. Mm. You know, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that ayatul munafiq salas that the signs of a hypocrite is three: ida haddasa kazaba. That when he speaks, he lies. When he promises, he breaks his promise. Mm. You know, so a believer, if you have true iman, you don't break your promises. And the third one, mm. right? When he is entrusted with something, then he breaches, he breaks that uh, trust. And last week we had a hadith regarding trust, al-majalis bil-amana and so on. So that's not the uh, qualities of a uh, true believer. No. Now, when we come to the wording of the hadith, so uh, when I wrote this book, I um, the Arabic I used the Ujala of Muhammad Yasin Al Fadani. So in uh, Al Fadani's book, and he wrote many musalsalat. Okay, uh, Muhammad Yasin Al Fadani, he was known as Musnidud Dunya, mm. right? The Musnid of the entire dunya. Right, he, his origin was actually from Java, but he settled in Mecca, and uh, because he was positioned in such a place in Mecca where everybody comes, no. he took ijazah from many, in fact thousands. Munatta uh, would say that there are many of the teachers that uh, uh, Sheikh Fadani, rahimahullah, took ijazah from, that uh, they still trying to f- find out who they are. And you must know his mashayikh from all over the world because everyone came to, to Mecca, mm. you know. So when I wrote the, um, the Arabic, I relied on Fadani's tahqiq, his research and his works. So he has it with a, uh, with a like it's written there, bil kafi was a ba. Okay. But when I read it to my teachers or they read it to me, uh, we read certain books. So there are certain Musal Salat books that are usually read. Uh, one of them, Al-Manahilu Salsala of Muhammad Abdul Baqi Al-Laknawi. It, uh, this is a very um, uh, it's a voluminous work on Musal Salat. Right? Uh, more than about uh, two, th- 200 or 300 ahadith. Only Musal mm-hmm. Ahadith. And then um, Hasru Sharid of Muhammad Abid Al-Sindi. And then the Fadl Mubin of Shawaliullah, uh, Al-Dihlawi, all Musal Salat books. So in all these Musal Salat books, 
it's written without the ba. So you would read it actually as ka'akhzil kaffi instead of ka'akhzin bil kaffi. Right? The only book that I found it was a ba is uh, the books uh, prepared by Muhammad Yasin Al-Fadani. Mm. Right? He's Ujala. Then he wrote, uh, he wrote many Musalsalat books. Um, one that comes to mind is the, one of his teachers, Umar Hamdan Al-Mahrasi. He was known as uh, Muhaddithul Haramain because he was the teacher of Hadith in both Harams in Makkah and Medina. Um, so he prepared a, a book with all the Musalsalat of his teacher, Umar Hamdan Al-Mahrasi. So in all uh, Fadani's works, you will find it with a ba. It doesn't make a difference in the meaning mm. or even the ter- English translation. Malina, I, I, I think um, this is one of the, the aspects of Hadith that, that made me personally fall in love with the, the subject. I found it fascinating. And I'm sure that the listeners of the viewers would agree that, you know, you, you would read a hadith, say for example, in the Sunan of Imam Tirmidhi, Jamia, and uh, then Imam Tirmidhi would go into a discussion exactly like what Molina just did now, explaining like there's a riwayah that has this ba and this is riwayah that doesn't have. But as somebody who studied a bit of Arabic, you would know, but this doesn't really make a difference because the ma'ana is exactly the same. And on top of it, uh, one studies in the sciences of a hadith that riwayah bil ma'na is permissible mm-hmm. as well for the person who understands Arabic. Then you wonder, like, what's the point of discussing all of this? But what I took away from that, and I hope that, that others would appreciate this as well, is the precision of the of the muhaddithun, the precision of, of the scholars in trying to preserve that prophetic legacy, that they would have debates about something as apparently insignificant as that. But of course... Uh, it must be seen within the bigger picture of that legacy of preservation. And I think this is just profound, especially in light of, you know, some uh, modern uh, arguments that may be made against hadith. You know, the whole idea that this is all just a big fabrication, it's all just a farce, it's like um, broken telephone and these mm. type of things. Show me where you'd find this type of precision, you know, in matters that are even apparently insignificant, you know. Uh, and and I just think that was that was a really important point that I took from it, and I hope that others could benefit from that as well. No, uh, certainly. Uh, if you look at uh, the previous, uh, previously in the previous sessions, we mentioned the the uh, the, the art of war of Sun Tzu mm-hmm. and you know the Prince of Machiavelli and so on. Um, those works were actually put together after the demise of the authors, and there are sections in the book paragraphs in the book and some say even chapters in the book that does not come from the authors Mm. you know so you compare that where you have a book which is attributed to an author and you have paragraphs sections or even chapters that are not originally from the author and here in the hadith we're discussing a bar (laughs) <laughs> you know, one letter mm. is it ka'akhzil kafi or ka'akhzin bil kafi? You know, and this uh, this was the 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 work of the muhaddithin that they preserved even when it came came to one letter, the wording of the ahadith of mm. the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. No matter how insignificant it seems, this is what they did. Mm. No? Subhanallah.
And uh, just, uh, I, I must mention that uh, I didn't at first notice the, the difference, the variation in the hadith. There is a brother in Australia that pointed it out to me. Um, his name is Abdul Rahim. Mm. Right? He said, I, I mustn't confer any titles upon him. I'm just call him bro. <laughs> so our bro in uh, Australia, Abdul Rahim, appreciate it. And again, it just shows that, uh, you know, we can... We never know everything no. we can learn from uh, everyone that we interact with. Yeah, yeah. Subhanallah. I don't know. This. Sometimes one just has to interrupt. Malana <laughs> Taha also compiled the Futi Hadith. Uh, one of his last works was the uh, the Futi Hadith pertaining to pandemics and, mm. and uh, contagion and so on. So indeed, there's a Hadith of Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha. Uh, in which she asks Rasulullah about the nature of pandemics. And then uh, Rasulullah explains that it is a punishment that Allah afflicts with whomsoever he wills, but it is a mercy unto the believers. And whomsoever is afflicted by a pandemic um, and remains patient. Now the one narration uh, says, Fi baytihi. And then the other narration says, Fi baladihi. But the narration that says, Fi baytihi, if I recall correctly, is Shad, right? But Manataha had that in his original work, Fibaiti. And then somebody, I think it was one of the Sri Lankan students, uh, pointed that out to Manana. And um, he appreciated it so much that he, he, he made the change, but he added the change that he made into the footnote mm. to show that, look, he made a mistake and he, and, he, and he, he was rectified and he wanted to acknowledge the person who rectified his mistake. And he wanted to point out that, you know, not only is he willing to change his opinion and to, to fix his mistake, but he's willing to give credit for it as well. Not that it's a matter of, you know, riyah and show and look at what I'm willing to do type of thing, but just the, the type of integrity of the scholar uh, is, 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 is so important because if a scholar doesn't have integrity, you know, adala, then what do we have, yeah. you know? And Allah knows best. Yeah, um... That is, uh, I'm thinking of Manla Mu'az, he, he, he made a statement once and says this is Amana ilmiya, you know, mm. your scholarly integrity. Otherwise, we can attribute everything to ourselves. Mm. No. You know? <laughs> okay, we go to the next hadith. Hadith number 11. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, La yahillu li mu'minin ayyah jura akhahu fawqa thalasati ayyamin that uh, in this hadith we're talking about uh, Silatul Rahim, right, uh, family ties. It is not allowed that a believer severs ties with his brother for more than three days. Okay, so you're allowed to be angry, upset and whatever, but after three days, uh, go talk to him, greet him and so on, right? Again, uh, I think of the hadith that we mentioned right at the beginning. The hadith al-musalsal bil-rahmah of uh, mercy, forgiveness, and pardon, and we mentioned there also that uh, forgiveness and having mercy on others. This is um, it unites us. Mm. It unites us all. And um, just to read the, if we can go through the the the, the commentary quickly, disagreements between people are normal. However. To desert a person for more than three days is not allowed. 
This hadith encourages one to forgive, like the hadith that we read there initially, to reconcile and to join ties with each other. Mm. In a hadith, it uh, comes to mind that uh, joining ties we refer to as silatul rahim, right? So a hadith Qudsi, this is a hadith that, uh, in which Allah himself says something, right? So call Allah, Ana rahman Allah says in this hadith Qudsi, the sacred hadith, that I am Allah, right? I am, sorry, I am the most merciful. Wahiya rahim and this is your blood ties, right? Rahim. Shakaktu laha isman min ismi. The name that I have given this, this family ties, Rahim, I have taken it from my name, like Rahman. We look at the Ra, the Ha, and the Mim. <laughs> and then the Hadith goes further, and he says that Man uh, wasalaha, whoever joins ties, wasaltuhu, I will join ties with him. And Waman kata'aha, batatuhu, whoever severs ties, I sever ties <laughs> with him. Right? So, reading this hadith, we are saying that if you join ties with your family, you're actually joining ties with Allah. Mm. You know, you're connecting with family, you are connecting with Allah. And uh, there are benefits to this. In one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ is reported to have, to have said that whoever wishes that their, um, their life and their rizq be extended, فَلْيَصِمْ رَحِمَهُ فَلْيَصِلْ رَحِمَهُ you should join ties, you know. So, in joining ties with your family, you are actually increasing your risk and you're increasing your, your life as mm. well. And you know, um, we spoke last week about doing good. In another version of this hadith, it mentions that فَمَنْ هَجَرَ أَخَاهُ فَوْقَ فَمَاتَ دَخَلَ النَّارُ that whoever severs ties with his brothers for more, for his bro- with his brother for more than three days, and he passes, he dies, he enters into the fire of hell. And the thought that comes to mind for me is, we're trying to encourage everyone to do good. What happens if you find an individual endowed with knowledge, and he lives according to it, and he passes it on to others? somebody endowed with uh, a lot of wealth and he spends it in the path of Allah uh, and so on. He does good deeds throughout his life. But then he severs ties, you know, with his family. Mm. So his entire life he's done good, you know. Uh, it would be extremely remorseful that he passes away in that state where he has severed ties and the hadith of the Prophet says that دَخَلَ Because of that one thing, you know, in spite of all the good, Allah forbid, mm. because of that mm. one thing, He uh, enters the hellfire. Right? So, um, this hadith, I would like to connect it to hadith number 20. So, hadith number 20. Let's see. Ah. On the, the topic of forgiveness and pardon. Afu al-muluk, 
the pardon of kings preserves the kingdom. When kings, rulers are merciful and pardon others, including the enemies, it preserves and consolidates the kingdom. However, if they unleash their anger and wrath upon others, it might provoke them to attack and ultimately weaken the kingdom. Right? Obviously, um, we don't really live in the time of kings and kingdoms. But if you can relate this to your family, you know, so sometimes you will find that uh, the heads of the family, they don't like the, another family, you know, and their kids grow up. The children, they see this, mm. you know, so the children, because they end up disliking another family. Why? Because my father did, <laughs> you know. My father was like this. He didn't mix with that one. You know, he was angry with this one or mm. this uncle or whatever. So because my father did it, I did it. Mm. You know, almost like uh, the Aus and the Khazraj. Yeah. Right? They were like sworn enemies of each other or, you know, uh, Romeo and Juliet, yeah. Capulets and Montagues. Uh, Montagues. Mm. Right? So uh, we can't mix with that family. Why? There's no rationality behind it. No. It's just because, no, my, my father didn't. Mm. Sometimes know, it uh, gets even worse. It's like, I know because they come from a certain, uh, they come from a certain Gao and they come from a different Gao yeah. and they come from this class and that class now. Yeah, so um, the message again, the same message that we find in Hadith number 11, forgiveness and pardon. Okay, we go on to Hadith number 12. Laysa minna. Man again, relating to the thread of honesty and integrity, he who cheats us is not from amongst us. Okay, and this uh, obviously relates to all, all aspects of our, our lives when it comes to um, our business dealings and our tradings, right? Not to cheat those that we are having uh, our business transactions with. Um, in the previous ahadith, we spoke about al-Muslimu, um, mir'atul Muslim, giving advice. So even when you give advice, do not give advice in which you know that it's going to be a detriment to the person that you're giving advice to. And you know, uh, sometimes uh, we speak about um, this uh, not cheating. If somebody comes to you and they're inquiring about somebody else who they are interested in for marriage mm. right again uh, cheating would be not disclosing things about that person mm. you know and uh, they get married and then after marriage you find out you no know, the person was a drug addict or mm. you know he had certain major issues or flaws you know those things need to be disclosed concealing that would also be uh, included in uh, this honesty and integrity. And obviously, um, uh, again, when it comes to our positions of authority also, uh, when it comes to honesty and integrity, if you're the boss, right, do not uh, exploit your workers, you know, work uh, overtime and the not even minimum wage, mm. you know, and then as the worker as well uh, in your organization, in your institute, uh, if you know you're supposed to clock in at certain hours and clock out at certain hours, you know, 
those are so this this hadith honesty uh, and integrity again the theme or the thread right not to cheat um, it runs in all aspects of our lives mm. so cheating and deceiving others is a blameworthy trait one who has true belief will not cheat or deceive others uh, I linking this hadith to hadith number 31 oh, hadith number 31 again with this thread of honesty al-yaminul fajir fajirah a false oath tadharu ad-diyar balaki' in another version of the hadith instead of tadharu it is tada'u okay again uh, the variations in the wording of the hadith a false oath leaves behind barren homes a false oath is a lie or an oath taken by a person who knows that the opposite of what he is swearing to is true mm. so you're taking an oath but you know it's not true barren homes refer to those homes that have been destroyed and left void of benefit lies and false oaths can destroy the integrity of a person his or her family and a nation So, uh, next hadith. مَا قَلَّ وَكَفَى That which is little and suffices خَيْرٌ It is better مِمَّا كَثُرَ وَأَلْهَا Is better than that which is in abundance and it distracts you. Mm. To have little worldly wealth while it suffices for all your needs is better than to have an excess of it and it distracts you from Allah. The former, which was his or her meager wealth, maintains a good relation with his creator, Allah, because he has accepted his position and is satisfied with it. The latter is distracted by his material gains in being preoccupied by maintaining his or her wealth and generating more wealth. Mm. So, um, what comes to mind for me um, here is and this is a just how man is created, you know. There's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. How man is created with regards to the dunya. Uh, there's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where he says, "لو أن لابن آدم واديا من الذهب," that uh, if the progeny of Adam alayhi salam, the child of Adam, if he had a valley filled was gold then ahabba ayyakuna wadiyan he would love that he has another valley mm. of gold right? so you have a valley of gold and you think that uh, you have this valley full isn't this enough for you mm. sustain your life the life of your family no you will still long for or yearn for more in another version of, a, of the hadith it, it is mentioned that law kana li ibn adam that if the son of Adam had two valley, valleys filled with wealth, then then he would wish that he had a third valley of filled with wealth. Mm. You know? There's, there's, so, there's something that, that uh, comes to mind, Wilna, that the, the son of Adam will never fill his, nothing will fill his belly except for to rob. Yeah, so that comes at the end of the hadith, I was going to say. Okay, ma'af, uh, but, but Okay, fadal, I can complete the hadith. There's, there's another 
كوم مين ذات تلاعب وأنا أتبت بسم الله At the end of the hadith, it mentions ولا يملأ جوف ابن آدم إلا التراب that mm. nothing fills the um, like the, the, the belly of, uh, of Adam of Adam like you mentioned إلا التراب except dust except mm. sand the meaning is this that uh, the only time he's going to be um, contented is when he dies mm. because otherwise Otherwise, his entire life is about uh, amassing more wealth, you know. And if you look at the 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 wording of the the hadith, also is very interesting for me. It mentions the kathura and alha, right? So this comes in one of the surahs in the Quran, alha kumutakathur. Mm, so takathur takathur means. Competing with each other in amassing, getting an abundance of something. Of what? In Surah Hadid it comes that يَعْلَمُوا أَنَّمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا And he mentions later in the verse وَتَكَاثُرٌ فِي الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَوْلَادِ You know, part of the life of this dunya, one of the aspects of it is amongst men, they amass and they compete with each other in Uh, amassing wealth mm. you know uh, increasing their wealth constantly and this alha alhakum as it comes in the the surah it means this has distracted you mm. your competitiveness and your your vying with each other in amassing wealth it distracts you it distracts you from what obviously from Allah from mm. the deen of Allah from Um, those things which are required upon you in Sharia, mm. right? and when will that end? Same like the Hadith says that uh, the only thing that will fill the belly of of Adam is when he dies. In the Surah it comes as well. Hatta zurtumul makabir, you know, this will continue until they visit the makabir, the qabr, right? And therefore, I have linked this Hadith, Hadith number thirteen. With hadith number 17 right so hadith number 17 al-ghina ghina nafs richness lies in the richness of the soul um, in the previous hadith I think what we need to understand is that this is a flow uh, a flow it's just how man is created uh, it's not a flow it's just how man is created that Man is always pursuing worldly things. It's it's natural, mm. but to be aware of that, so that we don't make that our objective mm. in life, no. right? So how do we not make that our objective? Yeah, al ghina ghina nas. Richness lies in the richness of the soul. The reality of wealth is not in amassing an abundance of worldly goods, because there are many who have unlimited wealth, and yet. They are not happy, nor contented. True wealth is the richness of the soul. That is, sufficing oneself with whatever one has and being content with it. Being contented with whatever you have, whether it is a lot, whether it is a little, but being content, that will be enriching for you. Mm. Right? So that you won't spend all your time and all your effort in amassing more wealth. No. Right? 
because obviously you don't want I, I can't see myself getting up every morning working at a job I don't like just to for a boss that you don't like <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> at, at the end of 30 40 50 years uh you know you think that whatever i done i mm. so, so this is this is actually related to the, the comment that i had on it's uh, there's two things the one is like life is is based these days on this capitalist system and hedonism right oh, yes. so in 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 hedonism they, they call this this they call this concept the hedonic treadmill so a person has a list of ambitions right aspirations that they'd like to attain believing that when they've attained them they would have attained happiness and contentment but when they reach that list when they've got a, a tick next to all of those points by the time they fill that list they would actually have a whole new list already and then by the time they fill that list believing that when they get there they'll be able to find happiness and contentment when they get there they also have a new list so if you ask someone you know you're now 35 uh 40 um have you achieved the ambitions and the and the aspirations you had when you were 20 and they would most likely say yes if if you really think back but then if you ask them so why aren't you going to know but now i've got these things you know so this is the hedonic treadmill you walk and you walk and you walk mm-hmm. and you walk but you're standing in the same spot you're not really moving because money after it buys you security you know and certain sense of of uh, relieving you of your basic needs after that it there's a diminishing return you no longer have it's no longer proportionate to your effort like okay the more i have the more happy i'm going to be uh, the more i work the more i'm going to be fulfilled it, it doesn't work that way which is why even though the prophet alayhi salatu wasalam asked us or taught us to ask for for rizq he would he would always say uh, like in the in the morning dua allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'a wa rizqan tayyiba So it's not just asking Allah for risk, but it's so important to ask for good risk, beneficial risk, because we don't know how we would be if we if we had so much more wealth. We know how we are in the current situation that we are in, but you know, if we aspire to have more, are we also willing to sort of uh, step up to the responsibility that more would come with? And that's such a such an important concept. Like everybody just thinks about. getting it but not about the responsibility that it comes with and all in his best yeah so um you know when it comes when i think about this um this valley having one valley okay sometimes you you can't relate to the valley a valley of gold okay yeah. you think now if i have a valley of gold i'm going to be okay but uh. exactly like monla explained it that is what we go through life mm. and you know i always tell my kids you know they they at the point and they say Daddy, if I have just this one phone, this is all that I want. <laughs> you know, this, this one thing. I tell him, that's not the the end of it. Uh. After you have that one thing, you're going to want something else. Like you think, you know, uh, if I have a car, I just want a car. Get it doesn't need to be fancy, look fancy, or whatever. Uh. I just need a car, my own car that can take me from from place to place. You know, point A to point B. Once you have the car, then you know the car will look nice if it has some mags on, you know, and then you're working for mags, huh. so you get the mags on the car, you know, a nice set of rims, 
And then, uh, you know, the car will look even better if the windows are tinted, you know, get it tinted, then you're working for that again. Uh, so you have the car, it's tinted, has nice rims, it will be awesome if I have a nice sound flow system, you know, <laughs> then you get, you understand? so there's never, it's one valley after the other, mm. you know, so if you can't re- relate to the valley, it's like what Monla explained, there's never an end, mm. you are, it's one thing you got, you, you say to yourself, and this is the lies that we tell ourselves, that if I just have this one thing, I'll be set for mm, life. Mm, mm. You know, if I have my, a house, right? Now you get the house. And, yo, a house with a pool would have been uh, awesome, uh. you know. And you get the house with a pool. It only has two rooms, you know. A house with a pool with three rooms. <laughs> <laughs> There's no end to it, man. No. And therefore, in another hadith, of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that عَجَبًا لِأَمْرِ الْمُؤْمِنِ That it is amazing the matter pertaining to the believer. وَلَيْسَ ذَلِكَ إِلَّا And you won't find this except لِلْمُؤْمِنِ in a true believer. Right? What is this? What is this? Like, in asabatu sarra, if any goodness comes to him, right, then shakara, wadalika khayrun lahu. He is grateful to it. He is thankful for the goodness and the fortune that has come in his life. Wa in asabatu darra, and if any adversity and difficulty comes in his life, sabara, then he makes sabr. وَذَلِكَ خَيْرٌ لَهُ Right, so whether things are good, whether things are bad for you, this is amazing in the life of the believer mm. that whatever position you find yourself in, that you are, uh, you know, you have lots of things in terms of, of wealth and whatever, or whether you're going through a rough or a tough patch, you know, if things are going good for you, shakara, you are thankful towards Allah. And that is good for you. And if things are tough for you, sabr, you make sabr. Right? And one thing to be in mind here, that the Prophet wasallam, you know, usually, when it comes to this, following this, uh, what? Hedonic treadmill, you said, mm. you said uh, another piece of advice is, of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, then unzuru ila man asfala minkum. That when you look at people, don't look at those. Wala tanzuru ila man huwa fawqakum. Don't look at those who are above you. You know, so you have a, a a house which is comfortable for you and your family, but you're looking at the guy next door who has a mansion, mm. right? Or he lives on the beach, or whatever the case may be. Remember that whatever you have is more than what another person has. So the Prophet, this is the advice of the Prophet wasallam. He says, Unzuru ila man asfala minkum. Look at those who have less than you. You have a roof over your house, over your head. There are those who don't have. Hmm. You know, you have food on your table. There are those who don't have. 
Mm. You got maybe a snaky brood. Mm. You know, there are those who don't have, you know, the the bread, the uh, raw brood, you know. Mm. There's nothing to put on the bread. You have your health, subhanAllah. You know, you know living on medication. There's people that, that, subhanAllah, like, if you think about a simple cancer patient, a dialysis patient, like, they, they don't, their whole life revolves around just that medication. If you wake up with your health in the morning and you have a roof over your head, like one of the richest people on earth. So, following the advices of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, this just with these two ahadith here, thirteen and seventeen, mm. we learn what that wherever you are currently, be contented mm. with that, you know. And if you look at others, don't look at others who have more than you. Look at those who have less than you. Because that will make you appreciate what you have. If you're always looking at those who have more than you, then whatever Allah has given you, it will always seem insignificant and you won't be grateful mm. for that. I'll protect this. Ameen. Uh, the next hadith, hadith number 14. <laughs> that uh, one who takes back his gift after gifting it is like one who returns uh, to his vomit. As it is considered repulsive to return to one's vomit, it is repulsive to present someone with a gift and then take it back after gifting it. You know, so just thinking about this, as we would find returning to your vomit as being disgusting, an act of disgust, giving somebody a gift and going the next day or later, I want it back. Equally as disgusting as your thoughts are towards that, going back to your vomit. Uh, similarly, taking your, your demanding, your gift back, that is equally disgusting. Right, uh, hadith number 15. Al-bala'u muwakkalum bil Affliction comes from hasty speech. This hadith encourages one to remain silent, be positive and say good things. One may be pessimistic, have a negative outlook and say things against oneself or others at such a time when prayers are accepted. Eventually, one is afflicted by the very words one has uttered. One should especially have good and positive thoughts about Allah as well as speaking positive things about Him. Here's a story uh, I want to relate regarding this. Um, so... We spoke about Kiraat earlier. Uh, you know, the governor, Harun al-Rashid. So he surrounded himself with, uh, he obviously revered uh, Islamic sciences. And he ensured that he was surrounded by experts in each field. You know, he had an expert in Hadith, an expert in this, an expert in that. And the expert that he had with him when it came to recitation of the Qur'an was Kisai. Mm. was the Shaykh al-Qurra in Kufa. So one day what happened was that uh, one of the Mashaykh of Kira'at in Basra came, right, visited, and they performed Salah together. Yahya al-Yazidi is his name. He was a student of Abu Amr al-Basri. And they performed Salah together. And Harun al-Rashid, now, the Khalifa, you know, the, the governor, he's with him, both experts, 
Kisai and Yahya al-Yazidi. So uh, they send Kisai to perform Salah. And Kisai reads uh, Surah Al-Kafirun. And he makes a mistake in Surah Al-Kafirun. I mean, you think of Surah Al-Kafirun, that's mm. such a, a simple surah, you know, has a uh, few verses in it and so on. Three lines. Who makes a mistake? <laughs> right? So Yahya al-Yazidi sneers. And mm. he says, this is the Shaykh al-Qur'an. Is this really? You, you expect he makes a mistake in Surah ah. Al-Kafirun? You know? And uh, in the next waqt that comes, Yahya Yazidi goes in front. And Yahya Yazidi, he makes a mistake in Surah Fatiha. <laughs> right? Surah Fatiha. Who makes a mistake in Surah Fatiha? Are you thinking you read it in every uh, rakah, in every unit of prayer? How can you make a... He makes a mistake. And then Kisa, he says to him this statement. Mm. That protect your tongue. Because the very thing that you make or poke fun of, or just about, you know, Muakkal, it comes and it afflicts you. You know? Mm. So he sneered at Kisai, but I mean, he made a, no. a mistake in Surah Fatiha. And this often, often happens with us, you know? We, we like to mock others, like, how can this guy he do something like this? But then we find ourselves afterwards in similar positions. Uh, watching our tongues, very important in this, uh, this uh, advice that Kisai gives to Yahya al-Yazidi afterwards. He says, Ihfaz lisanak, that protect your tongue. And uh, just relating something uh, pertaining to this, that a lot of times we, we talk and we, we joke, but uh, you know, to rather remain silent. Uh, if we joke, joke good things. Don't joke about bad things. I'll give you an example. Yesterday a student was reading uh, to me and, you know, usually before or after we talk, you know, talk about, I'm mean, talking about our kids and whatever. And the student says, you know, uh, I am convinced that my child is possessed, <laughs> you know. So you, you think about these ahadith that we are reading that, uh, I mean, they probably meant it as a joke, you know, or hoping that it's not that. But saying things like that, mm. it often or it could result in that actually happening. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, that is that is what we, we're taking away with this hadith yeah. of the Prophet wasallam. It's actually it's actually a very serious thing. I mean this this is I remember reading in fiqh like uh, making a joke about um one's iman. Uh, like saying, you know, like this is gonna make me lose my iman. Mm. It's serious business. It's like hectic stuff. You, 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 you're putting your iman at risk. Yeah. So th that's why the hadith, what it encourages us to do, instead of uh, saying those negative uh, statements, to rather remain silent. No. And have a positive attitude towards life, especially the last um, thing mentioned here, when it comes to Allah, having positive thoughts regarding Allah. Mm. Um, a lot of time, people don't know this or they have this idea that 
perhaps Allah is out there to punish them. Yeah. You know, those yeah. those kind of things. Uh, in a hadith it comes that uh, Allah says, Ana inda wanni abdi bi, falyadunna bi khayra. That whatever my slave thinks of me, I will be that for him or towards him. So, falyadunna bi khayra. When you think of Allah, think only good things. No. No matter how how many flaws or uh, you know how weak you think you are, mm. uh, you know, and, and so on. That think that Allah is most merciful. Allah will forgive me, you know. That Allah will enter me into Jan. It's always thinking mm. these positive thoughts about Allah. You know, I, I I deal a lot with um, uh, high schools and um, teachers and students of the Quran. Yeah. And what I find very difficult is how they struggle with thinking that uh, perhaps Allah is not on their side. Ajib. You know, Allah does not love them. If there is one indication for me. That Allah loves you beyond what you can fathom is when He includes you in His family. Mm, you know, absolutely. So, if Allah allows you to memorize the Quran, and you know He includes you, and Allah doesn't need anyone, yeah. and out of everyone or any fraternity that He could have selected to be a part of His family. Mm. He chooses those who have connected themselves to the Quran. Mm. So if you have memorized the Quran, how can you still doubt that uh, you know um, you are doing something wrong or, or whatever? Or Allah is not going to forgive you. Allah loves you beyond what you can think of, and therefore, you know, um, I'm thinking of uh, a statement of of Umar radiallahu an. When he says, Ya ma'ashar al-qurra, he says, Oh, the fraternity of reciters, Irfa'u ru'usakum, faqad wadaha lakum al-tariq. Your paths are clear for you. You know, like Allah has set out your, your way forward for you. Allah has blessed your entire path ahead of you. You know, so especially the Ahlul Qur'an never ever doubt that uh, Allah does not have your back or Allah is not on your side. If there is any fraternity in which Allah is going to support you is the fraternity of the Quran. You know, so that's what the fraternity of the Quran. What about others? Mm. You know, so the message here is that uh, when you think of Allah, no matter what position you are in, what you think you about yourself, how inferior you think you might be always think positive positively about Allah mm. because whatever you think about Allah that is how Allah will be towards you and you know um, uh, if you read like uh, books beyond Islam and things like that uh, this is what they tell you um, uh, and, and I remember a year or two ago I read uh, this book, the, the Secret. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you 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 came across it. Yes, but the Secret it basically tells you 
that the we living in this universe and however you treat the universe that is how it's going to react uh-huh. back towards you so if you are positive and you giving out positive vibes and positive energy that is what the world and the universe gives back to you is basically about your perception right. you know but uh, right. i think uh, we'll get the uh, inshallah some other ahadith inshallah jazakumullah khairan manana that is very insightful in fact that ana inda dhanni abdi ana ana inda dhanni abdi bi was the last nasiha that manana taha uh, related to us dr yusuf arif um was able to be in theater with him and communicate with him he asked you know after having a long conversation when and is the inna nasiha for for us and then that was the the one thing that he that he related you know he just wanted everybody to to remain positive uh allah grant him my place in jannah amen amen jazakumullah khairan uh for the for the wonderful session may allah increase you always amen. and in abundance and these ahadith are very insightful uh you know they say words worthy of of being written in gold i think each and every one of them uh, you know really qualifies as as such may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us guide us Ameen. protect us Ameen. and make these words a reality in our lives um, we must be very careful of you know entertainment uh, sometimes call it that entertainment <laughs> we turn we turn our entertainment into deen and there's a positive to it we turn our deen into entertainment is a positive to it in that you know you're not watching other stuff you're not listening to other stuff khair but at the same time it should go a step beyond that and we should always strive to make it uh more meaningful in our lives than just oh that was nice that was i enjoyed that lecture i enjoyed that class you know step beyond that um for those who are joining us in mona salim in this in this journey don't forget to uh subscribe to the channel you know all that nice stuff like share subscribe it's uh, it does serve a purpose actually it brings the uh, the the message to more people and it assists the channel to get uh, its word out there alhamdulillah and then the downloadable copy of the book it's remember mona salim has made it very clear there's no copyright on these works uh, on on his own works so uh, the downloadable copy is a link in the description you can fill in a form and you'll get the link for the book and you can also find details of how to purchase the physical copy of the book if you have purchased the physical copy of the book and you haven't collected it yet please do <laughs> we're waiting for you to collect it barakallahu fikum but until next week inshallah manana any parting words from your side barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu ala sayyidina muhammad subhanallahu wa bihamdi subhanakallahu wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi.